We're married to a, you know, a great woman and, um, but it's not always a picnic. And so we were at a, this just a bad time in our, in our, uh, in our family. And I remember deciding like, no matter what I, I get one shot at life and I'm going to live the best life that I can live. Don't Hide the Scars, a weekly podcast focused on addiction and recovery. Created by the nonprofit Pain, parents and addicts in need, and founded by Flint Anderson. Rob Hanley of Recovery Today magazine. Thank you for joining founder of Parents and Addicts in Need, Flint Anderson, and myself, Jason LaChance, on Don't Hide the Scars. Nice. Well, hey, guys, thanks for having me on, man. I'm real honored. You bet. You Absolutely. Bet. I've been a subscriber for four years. And of course, you've had a lot of my friends uh, in the magazine, namely Tim Ryan, Jennifer Jimenez, and so many other great stuff. Um, but I want to I want to ask you first, what is recovery for you? Because you're going on 29, coming up on 29 years of sobriety. 20, yeah, coming up on 29. I, I think I actually got to kind of add it up. It's It was uh, 1994, spring of 1994. So um nice. Yeah, I really don't have a I really don't have like a sober bursary like everybody else. Um, I didn't have some kind of profound. Uh, it's funny. A lot of times when I I don't often get to share uh, my story. So I, I first of all, again, thank you for having me on. And um, my story is not one. I mean, I, I have um, a lot of the same kind of stories that, you know, that is, you know, I can think of a, a car that I, uh, fell asleep driving that I rolled like seven or eight times. I should have been dead. Mm -hmm. Um, I just fell asleep drunk out of my mind. Um, and, uh, you know, the good Lord was looking out for me or something. Cause it was pretty amazing to even walk away from that at all. Mm -hmm. But my, uh, my sobriety story is not one like I went to jail or anything like that uh, at all. It was actually kind of a reinvention of um, my own kind of personality fused together with kind of a, a spiritual awakening or a spiritual um, experience, not really experience, but I would say uh, yeah, a spiritual experience followed by a lot of spiritual growth and kind of a sure. definition of um, who I was and what I did. And so a lot of people will say, well, my sober anniversary is such and such of a date or whatever. And they went to rehab or something like that. I don't really have that. And um, so, but my, my really my uh, addiction runs in my family uh, quite a bit. Uh, my father was a, um, was a lot of funny stories, actually. He was a chronic gambler. He'd been a retired colonel in the Air Force. Uh, you know, um, I think more than once he actually gambled his paycheck away the same mm. day that he was paid. This is probably before I was born and came home with no money. Uh, probably at that time, I'm the last of eight kids, so there probably was five or six. Um, my, I will share the funny story. My my mother talked to his commanding officer and had him transferred to Greenland. Gambled uh, <laughs> his paycheck away, and uh, I don't think he ever really knew until later in life. But it was a funny story. <laughs> Um, being the last of seven kids, I grew up, I'm 57, so I grew up, I was about seven years old in about 1973, 74, and my, the youngest sis, sister in our family, there's four girls and three boys, she was, a, it was back kind of in the hippie days, like 1973, 74, and I remember the hippies, um, I grew up in Tucson, I'd go to ride my bicycle to the park, and the hippies would be sitting in a circle uh out in the park and they'd be shooting up heroin because that's you know that that was kind of the first time when heroin yep. was 
yep. cool. And then it fell off and we all know where it's at today. Thanks to big pharma. But, um, so my sister is not with us any longer. She died oh, of uh, uh, hepatitis C and cancer, mm-hmm. kind of cancer of the life. You know, the hepatitis C was from inter- intravenous drug use in her earlier years. Sorry. And, uh, and then my brother, um, also, he's been sober now for about 18 years. He went a different route. He, uh, you know, went into rehab. Uh, part of a funny story there was he was kind of forced to go in. He's like, okay, I'm just going for the day. And then uh, <laughs> uh, for 18 years. And at one time he owned 13 uh, rehabs. He owned uh, um, the largest private drug uh, rehab owner in California, as a matter of fact. Um, so, um, I got, I got sober before him, but my thing that I've struggled with a lot that I write a, a, a lot about in the magazine, and I have a lot of, um, incredible empathy for is for the co-occurring disorders. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, uh, specifically it's depression, some anxiety, sure. and that's what might really where my heart is, but I don't have the traditional, um, recovery story. I was kind of, I don't want to say I was afraid, but, um, you know, as the editor in chief of recovery today, uh, uh, I always feel, I feel somewhat inadequate in terms of my uh, addiction recovery story. I don't drink, I don't uh, do any drugs. And it's been a long time. And the truth is I really don't think about it a whole lot. Right. Right. Yeah. But I think that that I, I can relate to what you mean, like maybe an inadequacy or for me, Flint's kind of counseled me a lot on that. Um, imposter syndrome i kind of felt that a lot like yeah i doubt primarily alcohol was my thing and i dabbled but you know like oh my story's well i did have a car wreck too that a miracle walked away but i i did kind of like some inadequate well i never overdosed or i was never in it crazy but you know and and i i just i think sometimes for me that was you helped me remember that that's not the point here it's not the point it's (laughs) not no it's no, it's no, it's not it, it. Look, not everybody, not everybody needs that, you know, that thunderous story that, uh, you know, that people are going to go, holy shit. Okay. <laughs> I can't believe you got through this thing. You know, uh, trust me guys, I would have rather not. Okay. <laughs> you know, had the, had that, um, and, and we all no no matter where we're at in our recovery, no matter how we got started, no, no matter what the, the purpose here is to, is to show people that we are sober, that there, that abstinence is possible, that our lives mm-hmm. are good because of it. All right. Not perfect, but good because of it. And, um, and, and, and that's what it all comes down to, you know, uh, God, I, 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 I actually admire some, some, some people that can just kind of kind of go through it right and 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 don't have to be loud ab- ab- about it but you're still doing an- amazing things in the recovery world I, I mean god it doesn't get any better than that to me i mean i'm i'm, I'm not kidding you know um cuz well, i cuz i'll tell you what i wouldn't wish it, anything that i went through i would not and that's why i do what i do rob i i wouldn't wish what i went through on anybody well we're really in alignment there because my like i said my main passion is for uh, is for depression uh anything to help somebody not commit suicide um but i have seen the devastation you know firsthand of um you know of drugs and alcohol it was um very traumatic as a child uh, growing up with a sister that was a you know raging heroin addict um 
And so I, I've seen a, a lot of the devastation. And so I, you know, I, I have, a, I have an empathetic heart. I want to provide service. And it's kind of my thought process that we call them co-occurring disorders, but as if there's one here and then there's also this, or maybe it's this, and then there's satellites kind of around. And I see all of it really inter interlaid together like one big knot, which kind of manifests itself maybe differently. And so I also think of that in terms of um, ADD, which although I don't like to label myself, I would say, you know, yeah, it's something that I, um, I, I, I've come to try to embrace, like maybe like a, a father would a child to laugh at sometimes, you know, like mm -hmm. a rabbit hole to rabbit hole to rabbit hole. But I've looked, started to look at the, and this is really the message of recovery today, um, is I've started to try to reframe how uh, these things are. Instead of looking at, looking at them as defects or what's wrong with me, I look at it a lot like uh, maybe like Russell Crowe in A Beautiful Mind, that they're... Right things that are there's manifestations that happen or or uh you know dustin hoffman in, in rain man that there's there's inlaid superpowers of creativity that uh we with the addictive type of personality with the uh maybe the mania or the depression or whatever it might be that are harnessed within us that um we just got to channel to somewhere good yes. so I've always been a really, really probably an overly deep thinker. What's the meaning of life? Why are we here? What are we supposed to do? Why doesn't God talk to me audibly? Is there a God? Is there, you know, what is this all about? And this for this kind of a brain really, um, you know, can kind of put you in a lot of, in a lot of different loops. And so that's kind of the, the perspective that I really look to connect with people and to, because I, I know that I'm not the only one we tend to think a lot of times that we're the only one that's thinking that's going through that has had the experience that we are. And um, I think that it's a, like an isolation that we put ourselves in really, you know, to our detriment. And so I try to remember the things that I think at least my audience thinks them too. And mm -hmm. so far I've, you know, I, 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 I've become more and more transparent with my own thinking and my own flaws because I certainly don't have it all figured out. Um, in any way, shape, or form, but I can say, like, I um, authentically and earnestly want to be of service to anybody that I can be. New Perceptions North, the premier drug and alcohol treatment and recovery center in Central California. A full continuum of medically supervised top quality care with programs for detox, inpatient residential treatment with dual diagnosis, intensive outpatient treatment, sober living, support groups, and more. With 50 plus years of combined experience and sobriety, Flint Anderson and Thelma Gatlin Wilson provide adult men and women with the highest caliber of professional health care, treating each client with compassion and respect, in a safe, comfortable environment to begin the process of recovery to proudly create and sustain a life without addiction, call 559-978-1507 or visit newperceptionsnorth.com. I believe today there are too many of us in recovery, and I'm talking now about early, early recovery people that we've talked about this a lot, that they're six months in, year in, three months in, 
and they want to go out and they want to save the world and they want to, uh, you know, they, they, they want to be of service, which is great. All right. But they want to do all these things. I think they're taking it way too fast. I, I, I think that first two to four years of recovery um, needs needs to be, hey, let's 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 work on some of those things that you were talking about there, um, because I don't think that we are quite ready yet to take that step out and to be vocal and to be loud and to be all of those things. Um, we take a chance of, of a couple of things. We take a chance on relapse for ourselves. And, and then, then again, if we do relapse, then we're affecting others and others are going, well, see, I told you so, you know, they're never going to make it type of thing. So, so I love it when guys have just been, you know, have taken their time, whatever that time frame is, that two-year period, and then go out and do what you're doing. I, I, I think it's absolutely amazing. But, you know, the, our, our brains, Rob, <laughs> when you were talking about that, man, that's like, God, you're just spot on with that thing. Um, I, I know your mind, mine races every day, you know, over stuff. And I've just got to learn how to, and I still, and I'll always be learning. I, I, you know, this, this is never going to go away. So I'm always going to be learning every day how to, how, how to think, I don't know if this is even the right way to put it, but think correctly, you know, think to get through the day, um, without causing too much havoc to myself. I mean, and that's a big deal. You know, that's a big deal for me. Yeah, I I, uh, I I agree with all of that. And it occurred to me a little bit that, you know, one of the reasons, obviously, that people try to do so much when they're first um, sober is because they felt like they were dead and now they're alive again. Yeah. Yep. And um, it's the, you know, it's the whole second chance type of stuff. But really what I, I, I believe that it is, is that, we have some of this this mania. There's some screaming, raging thing that's inside of us that makes us not kind of feel okay to kind of just be there. Uh, um, I was talking yesterday. I hired. A, I ha actually hired a breathwork coach. So I, I'm trying to work on myself all of the time. And um, you know, one of the whole things is like you're okay the way that you are, and that you can evolve and become better, but it's there's not like a race. So the real thing that I think that we seek is this peace. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, I, I I'm a Christian, so I like always to relate back to like the scriptures and things like that. And it's a peace that passeth all understanding. It's not just like being chill, but it's like being like super chill, or like you're just really, really you're you're also again, I guess scripturally is you're anxious for nothing. Right. Um, I, I tend to uh, have, have in the past, I've tend to spin out on what on the what ifs. Mm. One of the greatest challenges that I had when um, when I first um, when I first kind of experienced like there's something not right with me. I was I was in college. I was getting a degree. I got a degree in electrical and computer engineering. And it was damn tough because it's that's not something that was um, really natural for me. I was like the dumbest guy in the class. And and um, so there's a lot of different things about like, am I dumb? And I think people are dumber than <laughs> <laughs> way, a lot of times. I tell my kids, you know, you might not be the smartest person, but you can always outwork somebody else, you know. Right. You're probably, right. Absolutely. You're probably gifted in something else. But, you know, I remember kind of thinking one time I, I was uh uh, I, I can still remember it. I was getting ready. It was on a Christmas vacation, and I used to do construction in the in the over Christmas time to make a few hundred bucks. And it was like five in the morning. I was taking a shower, 
And I all of a sudden I was like, why am I so sad? And I had to have this profound sadness, although there was nothing to really be sad um, about. And um, a, a lot of that evolved into trying to figure out, like, why are we here? As I said, these I call it the weightier matters, but we're not really okay to just have peace. And so kind of understanding that you're okay the way that you are and having faith and confidence that there are things that you can seg segregate and, and segment. There are the things that I can control, which is actually very little, and I can set those over here. And anything that I can do or control or improve or make better, I, I love, I forgot what her name is, the five second rule. I'm going to do it right now. Right. Anything that I could take action on, I'm going to do it right now. And then there's the things that are out of my control, which are, um, you know, these things that I'm going to set aside over here, kind of going back to the serenity prayer, right? And those things, I literally am going to turn over to God. I'm going to pray about them. I'm going to believe that, uh, you know, I have specific ideas. I've got investments <laughs> and different things or, you know, stuff I'm hoping for that's going to come together. And so I, I'll speak it and visualize it and things like that. But at the same time, I try to just let it go and say, sure. don't know how this is going to turn out. Sure. And um, I think that's a healthy kind of way to, at least that's the way that that I, uh, that I like to live. But um I don't even know. See, uh, they're right there. I did it again. <laughs> uh, no, you know what though, Rob, I I have to do that. I've been in my recovery group. Matter of fact, was last night as of this recording. I, I, you know, they were asking some newcomers for like advice. I'm like, I refer, refer back to the serenity prayer all the time. It's a blueprint for me maintaining my life one day at a time. You know, it's just, just how I do it. Cause otherwise I like to take control of a lot of shit. That's not controllable real fast. And I have to remember my place. They worry about things that may not ever happen or, oh. um, you know, things have always happened have always worked out, you know, have always worked out well. So, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm really passionate about sharing uh, this message of hope. That was kind of the foundation and cornerstone of recovery today. When we say, um, you know, Recovery Today is, is a magazine of hope, it wasn't just some kind of copywriting or like, that sounds good, or we looked at somebody else's website or something. Of course, when we started, there really wasn't anybody else's website, but it really came from a place of very deep, dark uh, pain and depression as I was trying to figure out um, a lot of these questions. And it occurred to me, like, I would think, well, how do I get myself out of this? And how do I do this? And how do I feel better? And um, it occurred to me that the very first thing that there would be would be hope. And so, cause I felt hopeless, like there, like things would just weren't going to get any better. And um, so that was kind of like, I thought, yeah, like the first thing that it is, like the first part of it is it always, and the most important always has to revolve around hope. Like shit could get better. You know, I don't know for sure, but like it sucks right now. And like it could it's possible. But you know, Rob, I, I, I really, really liked what you said, but this is what I'm struggling with right now. And here we've got you that have got, you know, whatever, 28, 29 years in, I've got 22 years in. Um, and, and we've, we've experienced a couple deaths around here that, uh, in, in the last few weeks that, uh, extremely close to me, 
people I've worked with, their families I worked with. This is 10 years ago. You know, both these young men were 28, 29 years old uh, and died of, of, a, of, a, of a, a relapse. And, 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 and so I, I think that a lot of these younger people, look, there's no cure for this. We know this. But there's a formula here that works. There is a formula that works. And I really believe, and this is not only about the, 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 the user, the addict, but it's also about their, their families. We've got this one kid that died, and I guarantee you, I guarantee you, this guy went back to work in the restaurant business. And, and this particular, and we all know what the restaurant business is. <laughs> right? How many times can, how many times can you tell these kids please follow our formula here? Now again, there's no still no guarantee on it. There's still no guarantee, but I'll tell you what, our formula is better than their formula. And yeah. but 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 they don't want to take the time it seems like and put the time in and make those tough decisions like no, I can't go back to work at that restaurant. No, I can't call Johnny over here anymore because this guy is a trigger for me. I, you know, how many times have I told these guys, scrub your phone, get rid of your phone, throw your phone in the damn river. Okay. If you need to get another one, get another one. But they're just, they just don't seem to, and I've had a rough two weeks, Rob, what is with 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 these kids and their and their families and going through this. Um but I, I love what you're talking about and that formula, you know, and, and as simple as as simple as the serenity prayer. This yeah. stuff is proven. It's been proven over and over again, but it takes that time. And I just don't think people in the days we're living in, they just don't want to take the time to do it. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Well, we live in strange times, that's for sure. And uh, I just scratch my head. Um, you know, I, I just scratch my head uh, about these times. My son is 21 and he was telling me yesterday about something that he likes to play video games. He's telling me about different video games and what they'll be in 10 years. It'll all be fully immersive and, you know, metaverse type of whatnot. Can't even imagine it. it it's it's so um, so strange that the, the, the times that we're in. And so naturally the kids that we, you know, that, that are, in their 20s, I think for those of us that are 50 or something, you know, in our 50s, we've been around or 34, 30 or 40. I, I just think that they discount the knowledge that we have in general because they mm -hmm. grew up with cell phones. They grew up with the Internet. And, um, you know, what really, what do we know? What do we know? Right. So I'm really sorry that you've gone through that, that that happened, because um, I just think of all of it as so ridiculously unnecessary. Right. It angers me at the same time. Um, you know, I think about um, it was my own son. I don't think he'd mind me kind of sharing a little bit. But, you know, I remember one time having a conversation with him and uh, he was like 17 or 18. And um, I just it was, it was not a good time for him. It's not a good time for our family. And um I remember thinking at that time very intentionally, like I, for me, and I've been married now for 24 years. Uh, I like to joke around as 12 of the happiest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but uh, and I'm married to, I'm married to you know, a great woman, and um, but it's not always a picnic. And so we were at a, this just a bad time in our in our uh, in our family. And I remember deciding, like, no matter what, I, I get one shot at life, and I'm going to live the best life that I can live. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how everything is going to turn out, but I know that like whatever wherever path it, I go, I, I'm going to I will put the work in and I'll do the next step and the next step. And I, and also having a great life is also your perspective. So I choose to have a great life. Right. And so um, I remember having a conversation with my son and he was, you know, smoking weed and, you know, different stuff. And and I really was very, very fearful that the weed smoking and all that was going to lead to something else. And it kind of already had, it was, he was maybe flirting with some stuff. And, you know, here, his brother, I publish a recovery magazine and his brother, oops, sorry about that. His, his you know, his, his uncle, you know, owns a whole bunch of rehabs, but this is how this disease is. And I remember telling him, look, man, like if you, um, you know, the way you're going right now, is just not good. Like you're either going to end up dead, um, like honestly, or you're going to end up in jail or you're going to end up homeless or something like that. But I want you to know um, and I'm not a therapist, so this is not necessarily the greatest advice. It was just, it sounded good to me at the time. It was like, you know, if you died, I would be really, really sad. Like for the rest of my life, I would always be very sad about that. Um, if you went to jail, if you're homeless, I'd be really sad. But I want you to know, like, even through that pain, I'm going to have a good life. I I refuse to, um, I refuse anything other than I'm going to have a good life. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do everything that I can to have a good life and to be of service and all of these different things. And you make up your own mind and everything that you create is your own creation. And so if you end up in jail and you end up this, that, and the other, and and I'm supporting you in anything that I possibly can in every way that I can, that's going to be your decision. And so I think that free agency is something that we all have to really be, um, even with our addicted minds, because a lot of stuff, it's like, shit, I could have stopped that. I could have done that. I could have changed this. But everybody's a free agent, man. Right. And um, that's sad and it's it's horrible and it's difficult. You know, at the same time, I think that we're living in a war zone and in a war zone, we are. People get killed. Yeah. Yeah. Rob, I got to say, honestly, it gave me chills to having some issues now. I got two teenagers. Uh, I really don't think a, I've never heard a parent set a boundary so in such a healthy way. Right. And, and make it clear. Like it, it you really did. Like, yeah. like I love you, but you end yeah. here and I start here. You start here and I end here. I mean, yeah. I, I, wow. I think that's a real, I'm actually, I need to use that in a conversation. I love that. I felt like I was being, uh, it may not have been his, his doing, but my perception was like, I was being held hostage. Like, sure. There's, and there's the manipulation. I'm probably right to a degree. There was some division between my wife and I and stuff. And it was like, Hey man, you know, my mom and I, we might get divorced, you know? And if that happens, it would suck really, really bad. I'm going to live. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to live a good life. And so I don't know, man, like that's all that you really can come up with in the, in the end is like, what the hell are you going to do? And, and everything that came, by the way, I will share a little nugget for whoever is listening out there. I, in this dark period of my life was a, um, a book that I read that I uh, really adopted the whole philosophy 
and it's extreme ownership by Jocko Wilnick. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever read that or not, but like the whole mantra of the beginning chapter is everything, everything, all the shit that's in your life, everything bad, it's your fault. Your fault. Well, my house got blown down by a hurricane. Yeah, guess what? You were the one that decided to buy a fucking house in, in <laughs> right. uh, Kansas. You know, right. yeah, it can't, you know, the hurricane, the tornado blew it over. Well, you know, it, it sucks. So now what? You know, and so the whole idea of seeing the hurricane come in and um and crying and why god and why again and why this shit and all this kind of stuff and the you know i got screwed over last year and this that and the other while your neighbor's packing up all their shit and putting it in their car to haul ass mm -hmm. and so and it comes back around to like owning every single thing in your life everything good everything bad you own all of it and then you're like well what the fuck what can i do about it now what is there anything at all any small thing i can do that will help this okay i'm going to do that all the rest of it i turn it over i just turn it over i turn it over right right yeah. wow i mean that, that that that's just that's wonderfully said i mean it, it actually is and and of course we're 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 all at that not all of us, but but society today, it's always somebody else's fault. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, it, it always is. These kids, well, mom and dad didn't do that. Well, guess what? Mom and dad are learning. The kids learning from mom and dad. Those those moms and dads learn from their parents. You know, I I mean, at some point that that responsibility. And and here's here's one because I told you this the <laughs> other day. I had open heart surgery in two thousand. That was my first open heart surgery, and I had double bypass. Wow. And and um. And I was still in the in the throngs of my addiction. I'm pound. I I I weighed 140 pounds. I, I was losing teeth. I I couldn't sign my name to a piece of paper. I was a total train wreck. And and it took me another year to get clean after after that. But I get home. I'd been in the hospital about two weeks. I get home. I I get up to take a shower for the first time, and I get in the shower, and I. As, as I'm getting out, I'm standing in front of the mirror, which is just not a good sight to begin with. Okay. And, but I'm, here's, I've got this scar that's going all the way down a freshly cut scar that they basically used a, you know, a chainsaw, seriously, to, to you know, to break all the ribs with all, all the staples going down. I look like something out of a Frankenstein movie. And my first thought was, look what they did to me. And within yeah. about four seconds, I went, nope, look what I did to myself. Yeah, that's it, man. That, that was such a moment for me, even though it took me another year, okay, to, to, for, for that magical moment with my buddy to get me into my last treatment center, okay? But, but that was a, a eye-opening God moment right there that I did it to me. Nobody else, nobody else did that. Yeah. Right. That's right. And then what can, I, what can I do about it, too? It's funny. They just had a South Park episode where the kids are trying to get branding for themselves. And the last line is always victim. Mm. And, and so it's just funny because they're poking fun at this victim mentality as if we yeah. do not have control over our thoughts, feelings, actions, etc. Right. And it's like. We got to start waking up, people. You know, this isn't by accident that this is that this is not by accident that this has um, happened. You know, I uh, all of this is engineered to make us sure. victims, to make us dependent. 
And to make the zillion of us, the 7 billion of us dependent on, you know, four or five or 10,000 people. Right. And, um, you know, that's a little bit of my conspiratorial edge coming out, but it's not conspiracy theory. It's, you know, it's fact. And it's to indoctrinate us, to make us victims and dependent. And we need somebody. And the truth is we really don't. We need our own actions. We need our family. We need, in my opinion, we need, we, we need a higher power. Because it's silly to not think that there's some kind of higher power that we're, you know, we're it. And, no doubt. Uh, yeah, man. And that's all. Like, how can we be of service to each other? Figure all that shit out. We're all connected. You know, when I try to make, when I do my best to try to uh, uplift you, to to um, affirm you, to be of service to you, to be grateful to you, all of these things fire off. It's our reward system. It fires off dopamine in my head, fires off dopamine in your head. If anybody else is witnessing you giving a compliment to, to somebody else, you know, at the grocery store, man, you have really, you know, I'll right. tell the grocery time, I like your hair, I like your nails, you know, I like this, right. that, and the other. You know, if there's anybody else witnessing it, that it fires off dopamine too. Why? Because we were created this way. This is how right. we were created. Right. We were created to be not fuckheads to everybody else. I'm sorry, right. but like to be nice and to be kind and to be uplifting and to, you know, let me help, let me help you. Let me do that for you. Yeah. These are the kind of things, of course, that actually authentically, you know, it's not ecstasy. It's not Coke. It's not this, it's not that, that authentically our brain will give us a reward for. Yes. So uh, anyhow. Yeah. No. Just have to do the work. That's it. <laughs> and like we like to say around here, Rob, and tell the truth. That's it. Yeah. If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, please call Parents and Addicts in Need at 559-579-1551 or check us out online at painnonprofit.org. Follow us on social media at Pain Nonprofit. Please subscribe to the podcast and share with others wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. To donate, please click the link in the description and help us save more lives gripped by addiction. Hey, Rob, what, what is your, uh, um, what's your take on uh, long-term harm reduction? I'm against it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes. I, I actually really think, honestly, like I said, like I'm not really a therapist. I'm not a, I shouldn't say not really. I'm absolutely not any kind of therapist or anything. So I'm thinking in my mind, like, what is long-term? <laughs> if you want to know the truth, long-term harm reduction. Yeah, I'm for that. Yeah. You know, uh, um, so um, I, the one thing I don't really know, honestly, I don't really know what that means. So okay. I will say what I think that it means. And I had a conversation with somebody today and recovery today, by the way, is mostly, you know, traditional 12 step type type of stuff. I think because right. there's where, the, where most people are, um, uh, but it is not a 12 step magazine. Right. There is, we have non 12 step stuff. We've had, I, I did a feature one time on an ibogaine clinic, and so I'm actually very, quite honestly, I'm very intrigued by microdosing, um, all things like that. I've got a, a nephew that uh, swears by like ayahuasca. We've had people in in recovery today on the cover that like I, one gal is a very famous a YouTuber, so she's YouTube famous with like a bazillion followers, like five million or something insane. She's an influencer. And her story was like she heard audibly heard God, uh, and then he took away all of her desire for drugs and alcohol. I do think that she did maybe go somewhat of a uh, get a sponsor or something like that. But at the time I interviewed her, she had been sober for uh, actually I met her from Tim and Jen, and she had been sober oh. for like thirteen years. Like that's that's legit, man. Yeah. So 
um, the one area, so I don't really care. I say all the time, I don't really care how you get, how you get there. As long as it's not a delusion and there's other people around and, you, and your boss or your business partners, whatever, say, guy rocks the house, man. He gal rock, she shows up on time, does this, like he's great, he's nice, he's kind. You've got family that around you. Everybody that will say, oh, no, that's not bullshit. Like, that's not a delusion. Like, they're really a terrific person. Uh, um, uh, that I don't care how you got there at all. Um, the one area that I, I I draw the line, you know, I, I'll say now because I always leave myself margin for stuff is the whole cucumber that got pickled. Like, I think that there is a tipping point. So I don't subscribe to maybe this is where it comes to harm reduction. I don't subscribe to like I can taper down or California sober or something like that. I think that there is some kind of an addictive nature that maybe yep. once the switch is on. And so my opinion is if you're going to be addicted to something, be addicted to yoga or going to the gym or, you know, uh, some spiritual endeavor or right. volunteering or start a fucking be, be a badass entrepreneur or something like that, man, right. Right. and express it this way. Um, so I don't know if that even comes back around to harm reduction. What a, you know, what a the fucking guy from the editor in chief does. Really know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the, look, the, when I when I talk about harm reduction, I'm talking about, um, you know, the 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 societal definition now of long term harm reduction is just that is let's keep them on methadone, let's keep them on Zaboxone, let's keep them on, let's keep giving them free needles, let's give them uh, fentanyl and other drug test strips. Okay, so you're not overdosing. Let me jump out on that. So I went on a whole tangent and I'm on the wrong tangent. So only recently I was interviewing somebody in, in my opinion of like places like shoot up zones and things like that. I've actually really done a 180. I, I'm not like an evangelist for it, but my opinion. And I'm a conservative person. So like the whole idea, like giving people needles and shit like that. And, um, you know, and like, basically it's like, we're fucking encouraging them to do it. I was really against, plus the whole taxpayer stuff. What the hell, man, we're going to put a freaking heroin shoot up clinic over here, blah, 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 blah. But my opinion has really changed a, a 180 degrees now. And I'll, I'll tell you, say why is I have come to really realize you would say the funny addiction stories, like no shit. Like you, you stole your grandmother's wedding ring to buy crack. You know, how could you, how could you, how could you do that? A normal person would say. And so I've really started to understand, like, you're actually really not within your own power at all. Your, your whole brain has been hijacked by this amygdala or whatever it's called, the fight or flight area yep. of your brain. And it just wants more. And it puts all of the logic centers to rest. This is yes. one of the reasons why I kind of like the whole microdosing thing because it it brings this down and it brings the logic stuff up. It allows the uh, you know to to look dispassionately at the trauma. But so what I came to learn is these people that are getting, that are doing this, like heroin addicts, like they don't choose to do that. You know, have people got sober or they've had a some kind of a, a you know a, a, a catharsis, if that's the right word, that caused them to go to rehab and then they got it and they for sure. But when they're in the throes of their addiction, there's enough people that they just they can't help it, man. They're they're going to find they're going to shoot up some way or another. And what I learned was statistically, not one person has overdosed 
at a at a shoot up center or whatever they call it. I, not one. And all of them, as I understand it from talking to a few people, are all strongly encouraged to get into treatment and to get sober. And so with 100,000 people dying per year, I just think to myself, if we can do anything that we can to keep them alive, then we should. Now, as for Suboxone and like getting your stuff every single day, no, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not for it. And, um, but if it keeps them sober, okay, in terms of like the what ifs, one of the this one of the things I had to decide recently was my blood pressure was high, and I'm very a natural person. I don't go to I actually don't go to the doctor. I do everything I can possibly do naturopathically, you know, as much as I can. And I started taking BP meds. I hope to get off them someday, but I finally decided like if I have to just stay on them, then I'm going to stay on them. And so. I don't know. There's, it's a very, very complex question. The shoot up zones, I, I've, I've really come to a very like, okay, yeah, I, I can't, you know, I'm not a big proponent for it, but uh, you know, like I'm not definitely not against it. I, I'm far more for it. Hmm. Being on Suboxone all the time for the rest of your life, that sucks, man. Like I think maybe you would have to maybe keep trying, but I've met really intelligent. I met a really intelligent guy. Uh, I, I, uh, interviewed him and he shared with me that he's been on suboxone for years he's a uh, like a good great author and did a bunch of stuff and then so i don't care man I, I look at it a little bit i guess in the end to say like i look at it like bp meds i suppose um i you shouldn't be on anything you shouldn't need anything but if it keeps you alive and um and productive and a decent person and stuff like that i don't know man i don't really i don't really care i, I it, it's better to be off everything but I don't really care. Mm. Yeah. That's interesting because I'm, I'm total the opposite on, on, on this, you know, look, I'm, I'm a recovering opiate addict. I know opiate addicts better than anybody. And, you know, and, and, and I, and I have to, I have to take a little issue with the fact that nobody's died in a shooting gallery somewhere or in an authorized shooting gallery that, that I would question. Number one, number two would be most of us opiate addicts. We are going, look, I, I know me, I know us. Okay. If I'm still out there allowed to use opiates somewhere. All right. Yeah. I'm going to go to that clinic during the day. Right. But what am I going to do from 8 PM to 5 AM? Right. Do you, what, do you, do you think I'm going to be on this little, you know, not go and use. And if I start to go through withdrawals at 10 o'clock at night and I'm starting to get fidgety and antsy, what, you don't think I'm going to go out and start to use something? Of course I am because we're deathly afraid of withdrawal symptoms. We're going to do everything and anything to stop those withdrawal systems, withdrawal symptoms. And that means going out and using something, you, you, you know, it's, and, and I guess where I'm really taking offense, and Jason knows this, is that nobody's explaining the health hazards and the long-term health conditions to methadone, to Zaboxone, to long-term opioid use. It goes anywhere from cardiovascular to bowel problems, to sleep disorders, to something called super tolerance, which means that that opiate actually creates more nerve endings in your body and creates more pain. So therefore you're going to feel more pain as, as time goes on. It, it, the list is long and distinguished. And I think where I'm at with this now is that if 
if if we're going to go down that road, at least for those that are promoting it and talking about it, give everybody the fucking truth, okay? Yeah. And tell them what you are going to be up against. Tell them that if you forget your methadone uh, and you're out of town for the weekend, you cannot walk into another methadone clinic anywhere, okay? And get that methadone. So you're either coming back home or you're going through the next However time you're there, you're going through hell because the withdrawals will kick in and therefore there, there can come a psychotic break. Talk about the mental health side of this thing. I mean, it's it's more entangled than anybody really gets. It's complex. Well, the one thing for sure is like I, I, I um, you know, I, I like to in the magazine, I always reserve this stuff and say I'm a little crazy. Like, it, 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 you know, I publish a, a magazine on mental health. And so it gives me wide margins, but you know, I, I, um, I, I'm not firm and that's just what I understand. Sure. Sure. And now the data to be, and I, the only opiates I've ever taken is like for a dislocated shoulder for four or five days. And then I thought, damn, I like that stuff. When is my next pill? And then <laughs> right. That, right. <laughs> I need to get rid of that. So at least I can learn from like somebody else burning their hand in the stove and, and uh, you know, uh, that kind of thing. But I don't, I don't, I, I don't have that personal experience with it. And uh, yeah, you don't want to be chained to anything um, at all. So I think if everybody could, you know, heal themselves with what they eat and they sleep and, and, and exercise and things like that, that's where I would prefer that, that that's where it should be. Well, how do you harm reduct? How do you, how do you do harm reduction on an alcoholic? Give them eight shots a day instead of 12? I, I'm very much against like the whole tapering and you can, like I said, California sober or something like that. I, I just think once you've gone too far, I think there's a tipping point that the cucumber has been pickled. It's too late. You can't get the pickle out. I agree. I agree. Well, Rob, we're going to have to do this again. This was great. This fun. Uh, so we'll just put slate apart two at some point, but uh, I'm a subscriber. Tell people how they can get recovery today magazine. Thanks again. So it's recovery today magazine.com recovery today magazine.com and we're i'd like to say we're still free because i've been considering you know starting to have a like a some kind of a tiny subscription or something like that um but uh, it's recovery today magazine.com so go subscribe and um uh i think you'll really like it so i i i'm grateful that you had me on i appreciate it i love talking about this i think that people that are in recovery are the greatest people that are out there. And um, so anything I can possibly do to help anybody, uh, um, in, you know, going through stuff, I'm here. Great. Rob, thank you very much, buddy. It's been a pleasure. All right, fellas. Thanks again. If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, please call Parents and Addicts in Need at 559-579-1551 or check us out online at painnonprofit.org. Follow us on social media at painnonprofit. Please subscribe to the podcast and share with others wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. To donate, please click the link in the description and help us save more lives gripped by addiction. This podcast contains the views and opinions of hosts and their guests to the show. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each person is sharing their unique perspective, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast and website are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. 
While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or correction of errors. Privacy is of the utmost importance to us. For those wishing anonymity, people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect confidentiality at the request of certain guests. This website or podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website. In no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with our content establish a doctor-patient relationship. If you find any errors in any of the content of this podcast or blogs, please send a message through the contact page.